you became this character. You understood the role. You understood the world. You know exactly who you're talking to. You know exactly what happened right before this. You know exactly who and what you are looking at without a doubt. Welcome to the season three finale of Dear Actor Podcast, the podcast in which film industry professionals share their stories, mistakes, successes, and advice they would have told themselves. As always, I am your host, Sage May. Before I introduce our guest, here's a quick word from our sponsor. We're sponsored by the place I got all of my business of acting knowledge, the Hollywood Winners Circle. I cannot stress this enough. If you're an actor who's just starting out or even got a little bit lost along the way, like I did, the Hollywood Winner's Circle led by Hollywood talent manager Wendy Aline Wright is the best thing you can do for your career. It provides a roadmap and explains everything you'll need to do to become an actor. Guys, I am so sad that our season has come to an end, but we'll be back very soon for season four and I couldn't ask for a better guest to close us out. Our guest today has been a casting director for over a decade, having involvement in casting Criminal Minds, Bates Motel, Special, Tell Me Your Secrets, and way more. She's also one of the founders of the Casting Directors Cut, in which casting directors help you make your reel the best it can be. We have so much to talk about. I am so excited. Let's get to it. Please welcome Romani Leah. Hi, Romani. Thank you so much for being here. Yay. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So can you please let us know how you got into casting? Oh, gosh, sure. So way back when I was a theater major, actually, before I, I switched over to film. And I got the dear old talk from my parents who said, you know, a theater major is not very reliable. Why don't you major in something more stable and reliable like film? which is basically the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I decided to try it out and see how it would go. It was one of these schools where you sort of had to um, apply for the film school and it was kind of hard to get in. So I figured I would apply and if I got in, it would be like a sign. So um, I somehow got in. Still not sure how I slipped in there, um, <laughs> but I had no, I didn't really have any skills to offer. You know, I wasn't really a film buff growing up. I didn't do filmmaking for fun on the side or anything like that. I didn't really have anything to offer, um, <laughs> except that I knew all the theater kids in the theater department and I did theater growing up in, you know, in that area. So I knew a lot of that community. So I became the go-to person to cast everyone's thesis films and things like that. And then it became sort of this passion of, oh, I can still work with actors and still not have to make theater and acting a career, which was something that I was growing to be not as passionate about, mm -hmm. which is very important. Um, it's, as you know, it's tough industry. So yeah. if you are not unbelievably passionate and love it with every ounce of your body, maybe think about doing something else, which was me at the time, but this was a way to sort of bridge that gap and do something that I found that I was really good at and loved. Um, and so I, decided that when I was going to move to LA, I was going to try to venture into casting, which ended up being polar opposite of everything that I thought it would be. <laughs> um, I mean, not polar opposite, but it's still very creative and fun, but it's so much more corporate. Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's so much more to it than I initially had realized, but you know, there were some growing pains involved and I stuck with it. And for me, it was really about finding the people who I loved and who kind of were considered family to me. And I stuck with those people and they really helped me grow. And here I am. Yay. That's so cool. I'm I'm still here somehow, (laughs) some way. Yes. So when you got out of school, how did you like dive into casting further? Yeah. So, you know, I was very fortunate in when I graduated, there were still internships. Mm. So that was a life set because I mean, we, there are no internships really anymore. Unfortunately, uh, mostly in large part due to the, I think it was 2012 when the black swan lawsuit happened. I don't know if you've heard of that, right? It it was this big lawsuit around the movie Black Swan in which um, a good amount of interns had sued Warner Brothers because they said this is way too much work for an internship, which was sort of just the name of the game in in the industry. You worked really, really hard for free to make connections, to grow, to learn. And then eventually you pay your dues and you get a paying job. I was lucky to enter before that. So there were still a large amount of internships. Every single casting office had an intern, multiple interns usually multiple. Um, so everyone was assigned a certain day. And because of that, I worked at lots of different casting offices every day of the week because I was assigned at this office this week and this office another day assigned this office on like Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I was just going from place to place. And then I would do my day job on the weekends. And so I was seven days a week, I was hustling. And then eventually, you know, I interned long enough and landed my first assistant gig. And it was a little bit of a, a rocky start. You know, I think with, with really any industry, you sort of have to find the people that you really vibe with, yeah. you know? Um, and so I kind of moved around a lot in the beginning. And then I landed another assistant job with April Webster, who is, I call her my casting uh, bubby. Oh. <laughs> she sort of, right. Yeah. She, I, I would say she raised me, you know, and kind of taught me pretty much everything that I know to this day. Um And she also promoted me very quickly, which was a little daunting and scary at first, but that sort of, if she believes in you and she knows you can handle it, she kind of pushes you in that direction. Um, And I appreciate that now, you know, I was kind of thrown into the trenches, but I learned really quickly and she helped kind of bring me up. And then, you know, we, we eventually sort of just were leaving a lot of things on our own. Um, and then the pandemic happened and, and, you know, a lot of us went in our own directions and, and myself as well. And that's been, um, definitely having some peaks and valleys, but it's, it's currently, it's been really great. That's so cool. Yeah. I love hearing the casting director come up story because there's no school for it or anything. So there's no school. It's so difficult for the new generation, um, who want to get into casting now it's, it's tricky. It's not impossible. It's not, um, I wouldn't say it's even difficult. It's just tricky and understanding where to, because you're not going to be able to intern, but you do need to learn these skills. Luckily the CSA came up with a whole training program for the new generation of casting. So you can actually take a program taught by casting directors. It does cost money because the program is a bit expensive to put on, Um, but you can actually learn A to Z, what it takes to get your first casting assistant job, which was invaluable, I think, to the next generation of casting. And then the other option is a lot of people through some connection or someone they know, 
that person will train them sort of on the side and bring them onto smaller projects and say, you really want to get into casting? Do you want to assist me on this short film, this student film? And so you start really small and that person kind of guides you through it. And then eventually you feel well-trained enough in all these different casting uh, platforms and procedures that you can eventually go out and interview for your first real big casting assistant job, um, which can be a little daunting because day one, there's no training. Yeah. <laughs> there is no training. You come in, boots are on, and you, uh, you're like, all right, here's the project, do your thing. Jeez. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. link the um, CSA one because, like, yes. in this description, because, like, that's mm-hmm. really valuable for sure. It's the CSA training and education program mm-hmm. i'll definitely look and they've been that. they've been doing it uh this whole time you know it's it's still virtual right now yeah. but it's a really great program that is so cool so um yeah i'd love if you talk a little bit about the casting director's cut yes the casting director's cut um was a the brainchild of of myself and six other casting directors who you know casting there's a lot of casting directors in in the world but we're a smaller community than I think people realize yeah a lot of us know each other you know um we know who's who we know who's kind of moving around and things like that and we talk a lot we talk a lot about casting we talk a lot about actors um and so something that we were talking a lot about was how we wish we had better reels from actors to help them book jobs that we know they can do. Because often what happens is we will send their audition to the creative team and they will be in between a couple of actors and they ultimately pick an actor who maybe had a better reel that spoke to them a little bit more. They both, they liked both reads equally and they ended up going with someone whose reel they kind of responded to a little bit more. The reel is also used to help you get approved by the studio and the network. I can't tell you how many times I've had to personally edit an actor's reel to get them approved by the wow. studio the network without the actor realizing it, without the agents realizing it. I knew what had to happen when this actor was not getting this job. And that happens so frequently, you know, or what other instances were, agents and managers pitching to us and saying, will you please read Sage for this role? You know, she's yeah. perfect for it. And it's like, I, I, we have to make safe bets on actors. We don't have the luxury of time on our side. Yeah, I need to know from an actor's reel that most likely they're going to nail this audition the first time. Mm-hmm. The only evidence we have with that is the actor's materials and their reel. So what happened is there, and there still is, a large gap between what the actor is actually capable of and what they are presenting to us. The person who is the most affected by that is the actor. Because for me, I'm just going to say, I don't think they're strong enough moving on. And the actor's like, I know I am. I'm in Leslie Kahn's masterclass. And she told me I was put on this earth to be an actor. And I know <laughs> I'm the best thing that's happened to my generation. Well, your materials are not reflective of that. And if you really are this incredible, versatile actor with incredible range and ability, your reel has to represent that. And if you haven't booked those roles yet, there are so many ways to still show that. So to me, in this day and age, there's almost no excuse. And these were a lot of the things that we were talking about. 
coupled with the fact that you know, actors email us their reels out of the blue all day long yeah. and just sort of check in with us and send us <laughs> updates and say, Hey, just updated my reel. Would love for you to take a look. Would love your feedback. And I'm sort of always, you know, I have always been in the mindset of wanting to help actors if, and when I have the time for it at my own time. Um, and so when I did have a little, if I was a little slower and I did have the time, I would watch the reels and give feedback. And unfortunately nine times out of 10, I would have some very specific notes and they would say, oh, that's such a great note. But unfortunately I just got it edited. So I'll have to wait till next time. And I'm like, great. You asked my opinion. Um, this is what I have to say. And so it was just sort of this light bulb that was like, I wish that we could help actors from the casting director perspective, the people who are using your reels the most help you set up better reels because in turn, not only is it going to help you, it's going to help us. Um, you know, so that's when the sort of the ideas started flowing and we came up with the casting director's cut, um, which is this exactly that, you know, the service for actors where they upload basically every ounce of footage they want to show us. Um, there's six of us involved in the company. So it's just sort of a, um, first available basis, whoever is, you know, working can take themselves off the schedule or whatever. We've all been casting directors for well over 10 years, you know, very experienced. Um, and we'll take a look at everything. We'll have a phone consultation with them. We'll pull sort of just their best moments of everything, put it, we work with an editor who edits everything for us and we put it in a structure that we believe is going to set them up for the most success as an actor from the casting perspective. So that's been wildly fun. I mean, the best part of it has been the feedback after the fact and what the reels have done for them. In fact, I just got an email today from an actress who said three days after posting her reel, she got this huge recurring guest star audition and booked it. What? And she's she's on set today for uh, this huge series. And That's she's amazing. like, she's like, this has been on my vision board for years and I almost gave up and I thought maybe there's more I can do. And it's just those emails are so like, you can feel it through the computer. Like you can feel the, the life and it, it's, it's really, it's just about, again, there are the amount of talented actors out there are mind blowing. Yeah. But the amount of great reels are not. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I'll sit in on this acting class and my mind is like blown or even you, maybe you've sat in on an acting class. And you're like, Why don't these people work more? They're all so talented. And there's a disconnect. We don't sit in on those acting classes. So we don't get to see that. All we get to know you from is what you show us in your materials. And they're either working for you or they're not. So anyway, that's sort of how the casting director's cut came to be. It's been a lot of fun. It kind of spun into uh, a lot of actors were just really enjoying the consulting portion. So we started doing career consulting um, also. Um, and then it led to these very specialized classes um, in very like, you know, specific niche topics, which has been a blast. Um And then sort of rolled over into the acting retreat, which is, you know, because one of the biggest things I hear from actors is I just really want to invest in training, but I don't know who to invest in. And these people don't allow auditing. Mm. And I just don't know who's going to speak to me. I don't want to pay that huge commitment. I thought, wouldn't it be so fun to do almost like a music festival style, but, you know, with the best acting teachers in the world in one weekend. Wow. Where you get to train with all of them in one weekend. Um, 
And I knew it was never going to happen unless we got truly the best of the best, in my opinion, who was Larry Moss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and when he said yes, I mean, all the other renowned acting teachers were like, if Larry's in, I'm in, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it snowballed. And it's been like, it's like an indescribable experience. And so we're working on the third one. We have had two now and we're working on the third one. So that's just, it's all these fun surprises that really come from the actors who are like, I wish I had this. And we're like, yeah. let's talk about that. No. That is so cool. That like concept blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, it was last retreat on the fly. Bob Krakauer, who you must know because you're from New York. Yeah. Um, he, he taught at the retreat and uh, <laughs> Leslie Kahn. Yes. I Oops. mean, you know, you can't get into Bob's class. No, you can't. At all. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. His, he, he taught this incredible masterclass and then Leslie Kahn, they're good friends, him and Leslie. And she was teaching another ma- master class. All of a sudden, Bob pops into the Zoom and, I'm, and I texted him and I'm like, do you want to sit in on this class? And he's like, of course I want to sit on Leslie's class. He pops on, Leslie sees his name. He's like, Bob Krakauer is sitting in my class right now. Please come in class, turn your camera on. And for the next hour, they taught the class together. It was, what? yeah. That's yes. magical. <laughs> These people had a master class taught by Leslie wow. Kahn and Bob Krakauer. And I'm like, this doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. I was like, I'm not even an actor. And I like was in tears in my eyes because it was <laughs> the most in- yeah. out of body experience I had ever experienced. That's amazing. amazing. Wow. I, yeah, oh, he's incredible. I wish I went to that class. I wish I did that. You know, <laughs> That's incredible. They're, they're, I mean, they're all Larry, Leslie, Bob, Howard Fine taught a class. You know, they're all just these people are just made to be acting teachers. It's, they really are. They're so gifted. It's incredible. That's so cool. Well, thank you for doing that because yeah. that's such a great resource. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited. It's that been a blast. We can talk about that because that's so cool. Of course. Of um, course. So that leads me to, since everything is a tape right now, mostly, um, how can an actor's tape be the best it can be? You know, it's quite simple. Um there's no secret answer to this out there that actors are going to say, oh, this is the key to a great self-tape. Now I know all my problems are solved. <laughs> it always goes down to doing the work, reading the directions. And I know you've probably heard this time and time again. And the reason why this is being repeated is because a large amount of self-tapes are still not reading all the directions they're not you know looking at the breakdown or reading the notes that we have for them and so it has to be repeated beyond just doing the work beyond understanding your character knowing the material knowing the tone of the project of the show knowing the creative team doing all of that work as an actor the two main things that really stand out right now with self-taping that I can see the self-tapes that have a hot, a little bit more success. Mm-hmm. One is that they know how to use their physical space to enhance their performance. So I think when actors are in their self-tape setup, they tend to feel stuck. They tend to feel like they can't, you know, when you're in the casting room, you have the ability to move around the room because we can follow you. You're coming into our space. All you have to do is your craft. But when you're self-taping, 
you are the actor, you are the producer, you are the director, you are the cinematographer, right? Um, well, whereas we're taking care of all of that for you, now it's on you. And that can be quite daunting. Some actors would even say it's unfair. Again, it's just sort of the circumstances we didn't purposely do yeah, this to you. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, there is something to know. The key with a self-tape is to get us, the audience, whether it's the casting director, the producer, the director, the showrunner, the executive, we need to feel something. If it's a comedy, we should laugh or want to be your best friend. If it's a drama, we should feel for you. There should be a level of empathy, something we need to feel. That's what filmmaking and, and this and acting is all about, right? Remembering that is really important with self-tapes. And you can tell the actors who make that their goal because they don't feel so stagnant in their space. For example, and this is going to be hard because people aren't seeing us, but I'll kind of describe it. Mm -hmm. When actors are trying to intimidate the other person and they get a little bit closer to camera. So I'm like getting closer to the computer right now. And they're really trying to make that person, that character feel something or understand something. Mm -hmm. It makes us, the audience feel that versus trying to do that from far away. It's not as effective. And I feel it's, that's beyond an acting class. That's more like a self-taping class where these actors are not just working on their craft. They know how to use their space and the camera to help us feel something through the screen, which in my opinion is very effective and helps these, these self-tapes sort of stand out. The other thing that I've noticed a lot lately with self-tapes, and I did not see this a, a lot at all in person, were actors just simply actively listening when they are not speaking. And I think it's because when you're in our space, you're not as hyper-focused on the tech. You're Again, you're coming in, you're just thinking about your craft, you're looking at the reader, you're trying to connect and be that character, and that's it. When you are alone and you are with your own device and your own setup, I find that actors get very in their head and cognizant of the camera and things like that. They just get in their head a little bit more. And so what I've been seeing with self-tapes is when actors are not speaking, they are indicating. So they are inauthentically reacting, which comes across as straight up not listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'll see an actor listen and just sort of do a lot of eyebrow acting or anticipate what the other is saying it's almost as if they're worried we're going to be bored by the self-tape so they think they need to do something to keep us entertained because you as the actor here over and over again they can turn off your tape whenever they want it's got to be strong but that does not mean do something phony and inauthentic to keep our attention that's you have permission as the actor to just listen and see what that authentically and organically brings up for you. Even if that just means you are still and listening. Those are some things that drive me crazy in self-tapes. And when I see that, I almost immediately do turn it off. Yeah. So those are some things that I've noticed a lot lately between the self-tapes that 
don't go as far and the ones that do. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something to keep in mind because I think probably a lot of the time actors don't even know they're doing that. They're just kind of like, my camera's there. Am I like lit they well don't, enough? And like, yeah. Which is why a self-taping class is so helpful. Definitely. To see it screened back and say, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. This right here. <laughs> You're thinking about the camera. You're thinking I need to do something and you're not just listening. Yeah. That doesn't translate to me. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that's really important Mm -hmm. for sure. So do you ever call in actors without reps? And like, if you do, how can they get on your radar? It's tough, you know, um, because we get such a large volume of submissions and we tend to go through those first. So by the time we are done going through the thousands of submissions and the hundreds of pitches that agents and managers are sending us, maybe we will get to those self-submission pitches by the actor. Mm -hmm. Usually by then it will be a little bit after the fact. Yeah. So that that's one side of it. The other side of it is I have found on my end that whenever an actor self-submits or pitches themselves for a role, Remember, the only way an actor can do that is if they're somehow getting access to the breakdowns. I don't know how an actor gets the breakdowns. It's like a don't ask, don't tell situation. I don't know if you're buying it off the black market or what you're doing. I don't really care. It doesn't really bother me. I know actors get a hold of them. But what I have found is that most of the time, the actors who know about the breakdown and are emailing me about it are always a little too late. Mm. Um, Timing is really, really important in casting, especially in TV. We work so quickly that every time I've seen an actor sub, every single time, even if the actor is really right for it, it's an actor I know and I've trusted, I've grown to know them over the years. And they say, I saw you were casting this. I would really love to give it a shot if you you don't mind. I would say 90% of the instances where that has happened, I will respond and say, oh my gosh, you would have been great for this we have a choice. You know, we, we read this a few days ago, they made decisions. So just something for actors to be aware of that it's not necessarily frowned upon, but just be aware that timing is so key. And while I know it's sort of a, well, that would be nice situation for me to say, just go get an agent, right? It's not that easy. I understand that wholeheartedly. However, I think If you're putting in the time and energy to self-submit yourself to casting directors, if you are a well-trained actor and your materials are in tip-top shape, there should be no reason someone can't represent you. So that time and energy should go into that. You know, it's just going to be more effective for the reasons that I kind of said. So I guess the answer is yes, if an actor is right for a role and they self-submit themselves and they send it at a timely manner, I have no reason not to read them for it. But what I have found is that it's usually a little a little bit too late, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, I agree with what you said about like, if you're putting in that energy to email and self-submit and get the breakdown yeah. somehow, put that's, that energy into getting a rest. That's a lot of time, yeah. right? It's, um, it's a lot of work to if, do that, I, I could imagine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you are that well-trained and your materials are that stellar that you feel as though you can get auditions on your own, then someone will snatch you up in a heartbeat as a agent or manager, I promise you. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> I think yep. that's important. 
<laughs> Agreed. So, um, what's a common misconception that actors have when they're starting out that you would like to squash because it might be annoying? <laughs> we could talk all day about this. <laughs> Your favorite one, maybe. There's so many, but I'm just going to go with the first one that pops into my mind. The first one is when they're first starting out, oh, I want to be an actor. I need to get an agent because I want to be an actor. And that's sort of where their head goes, right? Um, And I especially hear this a lot with parents of child actors who are, oh, you know, my daughter really loves theater. I need to get her an agent. Mm. You know, or someone who's graduating college and like, oh, I got to go get an agent, you know, kind of a thing. So yes, we just talked about having reps are very important and a vital part of this process. Um, But you don't want to sign with just any rep. And you, there are a lot of issues that will arise from that. And if you don't take that to heart or believe me, you will find out on your own. Yeah, (laughs) you will find out the hard way, right? So what happens is if you, if you are skipping very vital steps, most specifically the training, if you are skipping over those steps, I mean, this is especially the case for kids and teens too. Too often we have kids say, I want to do that. And the parent says, oh, great, let's go get you an agent. Um, but they've never taken an acting class or a legitimate acting class, right? Yeah. Um, but they still find someone who manages to sign them. It's just, it's putting the cart before the horse and all sorts of frustrating things will ensue. This is a process. It can take longer than you probably would like. It is worth the wait, I promise you. So I guess the overall one for me is just the training. And that's probably the one that drives me the most crazy. Um, And I, Again, I understand and I sympathize with how expensive it can be and what an investment it is. You don't have to go study with Larry Moss or Bob Krakauer or Leslie Kahn or you don't have, they're, they're fantastic and they charge the money they do because they are masters in their field. That's why they've been doing this before you and I were born and they are, they're, Leonardo DiCaprio's personal acting coach, you know, so they're going to charge what they charge. Yeah, but you don't have to train with those people. There are so many great teachers out there. As long as what they are saying is working for you and resonating with you, that is all that matters. But I I used to, I don't know if you ever go on Clubhouse anymore. I don't go on anymore. I I don't really either, but I used to. It was big for a minute. (laughs) It drives me a little crazy, to be honest, because it's the same questions over and over and over again, over and over and over again. And the answer is always, you know, I want to be an actor. Where do I start? Have you taken an acting class? No, not yet. Yeah. I just can't, I don't have, I don't have the patience for it anymore. I get it. I really don't. So if anyone is listening to this <laughs> and you're like, I want to be an actor, what do I do? Please go get in an acting class, a real actual legitimate acting class, you know, whether it's a conservatory or something, do your research ask people who've had a bit of success, which classes to take. The fact is, if you think about it this way, you're setting up a business, right? Your acting career is a business and any business has startup fees. It just does. There's always going to be an investment involved. Now I understand the difference is that with your acting career, it's a constant investment, 
but you need this foundation first. And once you have that foundation, you can take breaks from it a little bit, right? But you have to have that. You can't start this business. This is your business license. (laughs) Yeah. You can't start your business without your business license. So please take a legitimate acting class first before anything. (laughs) If you take away anything. (laughs) If you take away anything, please don't try to be an actor or try to get an agent without proper training, please. Yes. (laughs) Shout it from the rooftops. Shout it from the rooftops. (laughs) Um, so I was wondering if you have any audition room horror stories that you would be comfortable sharing. Oh my god. I have a few. I have, well, of course I do. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like, which which are the most, I, I have more, not so much audition horror stories. I have one a little bit, which is more funny, which Yes. I'll share. Cool. Um, There's also, I have some just casting horror stories also, because who doesn't? I'll talk about the audition one because it's kind of funny. I worked on the show that was sometimes the situations on the show could, had potential to be a little far-fetched. It was just the nature of the show. It is what it is. Everyone knows that. And sometimes the situations were so far-fetched that they became funny, even though it was a drama. This is definitely, I'm even, no, I've actually told this story to no one, like no casting friends other than the cast sticker who is in the room with me knows the story. Wow. So <laughs> you're, you're getting like the premiere getting version. exclusive. <laughs> wow, this is exciting. Exclusive. And I feel a little guilty saying it, it looks negatively on, on me, but it's pretty funny. But anyway, this was a situation where one of the circumstances was very dramatic and far-fetched to yes. the point where it was a little funny. Yeah. And so one, the stage direction, uh, it was this person who had been captured and the bad guy who had captured the victim, um, had some trauma Mm -hmm. from, uh, his infant years. And so somehow was still recalling that trauma. And (laughs) while he was, (laughs) while he was doing some of his, bad guy things would revert back to being a baby (laughs) um and there was this one scene where he would get really angry and he would have to feed the victims food because they were hungry and he would force them to sing lullabies to him oh god (laughs) very very weird and creepy anyway we had to audition for the scene and in the stage directions it doesn't specify the lullaby Mm -hmm. so actors were coming in most of them were singing uh, twinkle twinkle little star um and like abcs or something I, I would say 99% of them were singing one of those two and then this actress comes in and she's like very in it you know she's crying and all of a sudden she sings this like operatic song that I had <laughs> never heard before and I don't know where it came from and I also I, I don't know if I was spacing out a little bit or what but I I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. And I was like, what is she doing? Like we're in the middle of the scene. Why is she singing opera? Yeah. Um, and I looked at my casting director when we were co-casting the show and we didn't know what to do. We started laughing oh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Was that not right? And yeah. I was like, is that, she's like, oh, 
that was the lullaby. I was like, oh, that was the lullaby. She just went into straight up opera. Yeah. And I, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I forgot that that was the part and I didn't know what was happening. I thought yeah. maybe you got another audition or something or just, I don't know. <laughs> so the casting director and I were so caught off guard. We couldn't stop thinking about it. And every time she started the scene, I have never done this in my life. Yeah. Mind you. Yes. I've never done this before, but every time she started the scene, we started laughing again because <laughs> we were so caught off guard by yeah. it and thinking about like oh my god it's coming again it's yeah. coming again um and we felt terrible oh. and I was like it's not you like yeah. the, you're you're doing great it's just we didn't expect the opera song and now yeah. we can't stop thinking about it so funny. anyway I felt so terrible I think we must have done it like 10 times and oh. I don't know that we even got a take without yeah. us laughing in it <laughs> I felt terrible that Aww. that's like my yeah that, and that is definitely the casting director's fault, not the actor's fault yeah, no, situation. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, at least she like showed off the the pipes. <laughs> she, I she guess sing. so. But you know, everyone else was like twinkle, twinkle, little yeah. star, and then she just went into this thing, and I just <laughs> it totally caught me off guard. And I yeah. And I every and, and I just couldn't stop laughing because I knew it was coming. Yeah. And I just I don't to, know. It was one of those things fair, where yeah, that sounds like hilarious, but <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. To the point where we had callbacks for that role with the producers and the yeah. director there, and I had to bring in a reader because I said I can't get through the scene yeah. anymore without laughing. <laughs> so they, I didn't tell them the context. I just said you read with the actors, yeah. and I had to leave. I had to leave the room. <laughs> I couldn't stand the I room. I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> I just kept thinking about that moment, and it just. It has stuck with me ever since. Yeah, I can imagine. If I was a casting director. I think that would happen pretty often. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. It's pretty funny. So how can you tell if someone is right for the role? And I, I bet this can be like a little difficult, but. Yeah, it can. I want to say there's there's not going to be a blanket statement for this, right? Because every role is so different. Every actor is so different. But it's this moment and it's the best feeling when an actor starts the scene and just fully embodies that character both physically and you know emotionally and it's so it's really just a feeling and it's sort of like we have it and the unfortunate thing about that is sometimes you feel that way as a casting director and then we get very excited and we send that tape forward to the producers we can in some situations only send that tape if we are doing cartwheels and flips and we are like no one can beat this but even in those situations they usually prefer that we send others as well and sometimes when we do that they end up going with someone else yeah wow and we don't ask why, usually. We don't know the reason why, um, which is also just helpful for actors to hear too, because you, I know actors just ruminate in their heads and, you know, replay these thoughts of, yeah. I, I really thought I nailed that. I, it felt so good to me. It just, I, I've never felt better about an audition. Where did I go wrong? Yeah. We'll know that many times we feel the exact same way you will leave the room or the self tape will end and we text each other and we're like we found it yeah it's a done deal yeah and for whatever reason they gravitate towards someone else it's crazy it's important to remember that you know um 
Why that happens, I don't have a good answer for that. But what I can tell you is we are the casting directors, not the writers. We did not create and write these characters, the writers and producers did. Because in TV, you know, the writers are the producers um, and the showrunner as well. And so we don't know the reasons why when another actor came on and started reading those lines that it brought the character to life for them. Even though we thought this other actor did that, we didn't create these characters. So maybe there was a certain way that actor read one line or it was the way they looked at someone a certain way or it was a physical attribute that just really spoke to them. We don't know because we didn't create those characters. We didn't live those life experiences that the writers did that just made that light bulb go off. Um, you'll never know. You know, you just have to trust for whatever reason that other person was a little more right for the role. But that does not mean you did not nail the audition and do an incredible job. Yeah, it's not really like a thing, but it's just this, you come on for me and I'm just like, you became this character. You understood the role. You understood the world. You know exactly who you're talking to. You know exactly what happened right before this. You know exactly who and what you are looking at without a doubt. It's just, it's, it's magic when it happens. It's nice to know that casting directors feel that way too, because there's been auditions where you're like, that, like, that's me. Oh, I got it. And then it's the like- The stories I have about that, yeah, that can be very hard for us. I had that moment on the series that I'm casting right now. I have never had that moment more in my entire life and my career, because this is one of my most, like, it's very fresh and new and I'm very passionate about it. And there was this actor who, so he did the self-tape, phenomenal. The, the self-tape was amazing. He did one callback. He did two callbacks. He did a chemistry read. That's what was, it was a series regular role for a Netflix series. And he was, you could not ask for more, even a famous actor. You could not ask for more from an actor for this particular role. He was this character in every single way. I felt so lucky and fortunate that we found him. He was a complete find. He's well-trained, but had never worked a day in his life. Wow. He's un, like gives you goosebumps. I can't watch the guy on daily. He's, he obviously got the role. Yeah. I watch the dailies <laughs> and I get goosebumps every time I watch him. He's unbelievable. However, so cool. rewind a little bit. It's, this is a this is a love interest of the whole show. Mm -hmm. And um, I was so excited about it. When it came down to studio and network approval, they were in between him and someone else. They couldn't make a decision. They, they kept saying, I wish that they both had attributes of each other and we could marry them in some way. But there, there was something that was missing from both of them. So their solution was, let's go back to the drawing board. We didn't really have the time, but we didn't not have the time also. So it was still sort of a valid ask to go back to the drawing board. However, I was beside myself. Um, there's four people on the casting team. There are a ton of executives at the studio and there are two executive producers. I was the only person who felt this way. Every other person was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll re we're going to release a breakdown in Australia. We're going to read more people. We'll find him. He's out there somewhere. And I said, no, I was like, you know, 
it's not very common that a casting director will put their foot down. And I really have to believe in this guy, which I did. So I stayed up all night. <laughs> I, if, if you ever hear this, Noah, <laughs> now you know the full extent. I researched the heck out of this guy. I found every sort of, he hadn't worked before. So I was really searching for anything that could prove more of what he was and what was missing for them. I ended up going on his TikTok randomly and he's, um, I wouldn't say he has a huge following, but like he has some followers and he's mostly known for doing this killer, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio impression mm. killer. Wow. Uh, he sounds just like him and he looks like him too, but these impressions really embodied the character in a weird way. And I was like, you guys are crazy for not seeing that you have a star right under your noses and that there is not another human being on this planet who will play this role better than he will. And so I texted it at like 11 o'clock at night to my Sony executive. And I said, I know this is unconventional, but I really think you're making a big mistake. And I sent her some of the TikToks and I just said, do you see what I see? Am I really, if you really don't see what I see after watching this, I will leave it alone, but I need you to look at it. And she texted me back almost immediately and was like, I see it. I see it now, you know? Um, and it was late. It was like, I want to say it was close to midnight, but she slipped it to her higher ups at Sony and they started watching. And by the next morning I heard back and they said, our minds have been completely swayed. Wow. You're completely right. He's a, he's a star. And I was like, I can't believe that's what did it. And so anyway, we ended up finding a way to, cause our showrunner was also not convinced. And, um, I showed them to him and she thought it was really silly. She's British. And she's <laughs> sort of like, I don't know about, I don't know about this TikTok, you know? Yeah. And she watched it and she started doing backflips. And it was just something about these videos that really embodied the charisma of the character more than anything that for some reason was missing for them. But I knew he could do it. Yeah. I just knew it. So anyway, long story short, he got approved. He obviously got the role. And the best part is I was so happy and proud for him. I asked his agent if, and I know this is really, so when you test for a, a pilot, um, you pre-negotiate your deal. So there's no offer. So basically when you're, when you test and you, your deal is done and now you're just waiting to hear, did I get the part? So when we finally got ne uh, Netflix approval, I called his agent and I said, I, I know this is your, your, as an agent, this is what you look forward to the most telling your clients that they booked this huge role, but I would really love to, to tell him myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would really mean a lot to me. And yeah. we really had to jump through hoops and she was so supportive and she said, why don't we play a little prank on him? He's working his server job right now. Why don't we tell him there's one last callback that one of the self-tapes, one of the lines glitched and we couldn't hear it. We just need him to read that one line and then he's done. We promise no more. He's a, he was a server at BJ's. I'm um, which is like a <laughs> I know. I'm so up. he was so literally cute. just served a peach from his steak yeah. he shows up in his black like bj's attire gets on zoom and i'm like i'm so sorry Noah. it's just this one line that got watched or whatever during um when we were encoding a zoom i just they just need to hear it it's not a big you don't need to don't worry about how you look yeah don't worry about anything i'm gonna pull up the sides don't worry take a deep breath everything's like okay okay and i'm like let me just find the sides 
And I was like, for some reason, I'm having trouble finding the sides. And he's like sitting there like, and I was like, oh, I know why. It's because you got the part. <laughs> oh my God. I think I, I think I messed with him a little too much because he was truly speechless <laughs> and like, <"Wait>, <laughs> couldn't really comprehend what was happening. Yeah. I was like, it's yours, Noah. You are the lead of this Netflix series. And oh my he, God. he was in like his gear and he was just like, he, he truly couldn't, could not speak. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just such a, it was one of the best moments of my career, hands down. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, you have to go back inside and, and quit your job because you're an actor now. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so cute. I know. And he's like, what? And I was like, you're not going to be a server probably for the rest of your life because this is pretty career changing. So That's go in there and amazing. put your two weeks because you're going to be on a plane to Canada in two weeks. So you need to go quit right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah it's so cool oh my god wow it's amazing right (laughs) Um, but it just goes to show it's like casting is such an interesting process because and and by the way let me just I it's a long story but let me just end by saying this at the we had a big table read where they flew all of the Sony and Netflix executives up to Canada where they're shooting it um and they you know screened the whole thing for the rest of the crew and you know how it works table reads is after the table read the studio and the network conglomerate some notes usually for the writers and mm-hmm. casting wise as well there was one note for casting yeah one note and the note was obviously the actor's name is noah they said we need you to write more for noah <laughs> wow that was the note just one that's so cool. then I, you know fast forward to watching the dailies on set he's never been on a professional film set at all he is killing it that's amazing oh wow but it it truly takes someone who really believes in you and stands up to all these big fancy executives and producers and say says no you're wrong he can do this and he's perfect for it what do I need to do to prove that to you yeah that's so cool I mean wow that's like I'm so glad you told that story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't so, stop thinking you know, about it. We're on your side. <laughs> yeah. We are on your side and we believe in you. I, I will say, I, I don't think that I would, I, I would really have to believe in an actor to really stand up. To, I, I'm telling you, I was the only person who felt this way out of a team of 15 or so. Um, and so I really had to make a case for myself and hope that he would make me proud of yeah. that, yeah. Um, which he has. But, you know, again, I could have not done that and it would have gone with someone else. And that actor could have left thinking, I was so perfect for that role. Like, what did I do wrong? And the answer is nothing, nothing. I don't know why. I don't know why. There was something missing for them. And it always went back to this spark and charisma. And I don't know how to really quantify that in any sort of way. But sometimes it's something that's like this like intangible thing that people are just looking for. And they can't really explain it. Um, and either we can prove it to them or not. But that is also where your reel comes in handy. Because I had nothing, no evidence for him. I really had to dig deep. I begged his reps for more stuff. They had nothing. Yeah. So I had to do it on my own. I, I actually cut together a TikTok reel for him. 
That's good. Did, he can I, use that in had, the future. He had, yeah, he had so many videos and I just wanted to show the studio and the network the videos that I thought were the most of this character. So I just cut together those those moments and it worked. So cool. Are you allowed to say? We had the deadline announcement a few weeks ago. So it's oh. Noah Lalonde. Yes. <laughs> and he will be starring in My Life with the Walter Boys on Netflix next wow. year. Wow. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be so cool. Phenomenal. And this is, in a few years, you will, everyone will know his name. I don't yeah. doubt it. I love that. So, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the role like of that. Cole. Yeah. Wow. So look out for Cole is his role name. Oh, I will. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, yeah. Yes. So this is the last question. Um, mm-hmm. I always ask everyone this one last. What would you have told yourself when you were starting out? Such a good question. Um, I wish I had thought about this one a little bit more, but I, and this is something that I tell actors a lot. And this is something that everyone could really work on is really just trusting as much as you can. This goes for casting. This goes for actors because this process can be daunting. If you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, you need to just trust because the thoughts constantly going in and out of your brain in terms of, am I doing enough? Was that the right move? Should I have done this differently? Should I have said this a different way? Should I have worn something different? They are like mental health killers. Just trust that you are doing enough, that you are doing the work and it will pay off one day. Life is too short to be bogged down by that constant flow of what ifs. It's, way, it's not a way to live your life. It's really not. And this goes for anyone, you know, but um, the more I kind of say that to actors, I realize it can apply for myself and really anyone. And I wish that, you know, I had a lot of those moments too, like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. And it's sort of just like, you know what? I did what I did. I did the work. What is meant to be will happen. And you have to just let go and trust that because you are more than an actor. You are a person you are a human being, you are a family member, and you are a friend. And acting is not the entire world. There is so much to this world than just your acting career. And you need to live it. And you need to enjoy it because it's short. Thank you so much, Ramon. This was amazing. <laughs> of Yay! course. Of course. This was so fun. Yes. You asked such great questions. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening this season. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Dear Actor Podcast for updates on season four. And as always, feel free to email us at DearActorPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back very soon with season four.